No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Find the Savior. Find Yeshua HaMashiach. Find the truth on Solace Radio. And as we study, continue our study in the book of Daniel, we going to look a little bit at the uh, uh, chapter 10, at the end of chapter 10. And as we know, and this is our hope, and this is every believer's hope of the coming of the Messiah. And at this time, however, as he continues to be in total control of world events, he hears our prayers as we have demonstrated, and not only that he has hearing our prayers, he is dispatching messengers, angelic being to answer our prayers and to minister to us on a daily basis. Because God is in control. Although it seems like the world is going down in a handbasket, which it is indeed, it is going down. And if you have... Uh, watched a little bit of the some of those uh, events that are taking place. One of the things that uh, uh, half of the nation uh, has done is they have left two non-essential things in their mind from their platform of what they're going to run on. One of them is God, and the other one is Jerusalem. Well, I... <laughs> Maybe politicians can do that, you know, or they think they can do that, but I can tell you something. As the Bible says that man plans, but Adonai laughs. They can plan all they want. They can leave him out all they want. They already kicked him out of the schools. They have kicked him out of every public arena and every available uh, 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 place that is possible. The name of God has become an anathema to so many people. And all that they are promoting, they are promoting what is wrong rather than what is right. So they have kicked God out, and they have promoting the things that he has forbidden. And not only that, they asking him to bless us. Now, what's wrong with that picture? And if I was God, and I said, why should I do that? But not going, not going into the political end of things, what I want to say is this, that Adonai, he's the judge, and he is in total control of the events. They can plan, they can vote, they can do all those things, they can plot. In fact, there's a lot of plotting that is going on. Plotting has been done as long as man is on the face of the planet. Man plots, and some plot more than others. But as we see that Daniel, the servant of God, the man that he called him, Ish Hamudot, acute and sweet person, a man that he loves so much, and as he uh, prayed to him, the angel comes and he tells him in chapter 10, verse 19, Do not fear, Ish Hamudot. Shalom Lecha. Have peace. And then he stood up and he said to him, Listen, although you see me now, but it has been a long time since you have prayed. 21 days, in fact. 
meaning that there is war in the angelic realm, in the uh, uh, spiritual realm, war of good versus evil. The good angels are constantly warring with the demonic beings. And the demonic beings are here to do nothing but harm to you and I. And not only that, they are plotting of how to get you and I away from God. The whole idea of the demonic beings being there to plot against God is to wrestle your and my faith in Adonai. Because this is what it's all about. The cosmic war that is happening in the cosmos between the good angels, the angels of Adonai, and the bad angels is about your and my soul. And as long as they can distract you, as much as they can, distract you from Whatever they can do, they can cause you an accident, they could cause a death, they can cause uh, um, an illness, they can cause you a flat tire or whatever it is, whatever it might be, only to take your mind away from worshipping and concentrating on Adonai and his Messiah Yeshua. But you know what? The one thing that you need to remember and constantly remember as the angel said to Daniel, Shalom Lecha. Remember this word, Shalom, because Shalom means not only hello and goodbye, it means peace. And not only that, when we say Shabbat Shalom to one another, we ask in the Lord for peace and rest in Him which is very hard to attain. It's very hard to attain both the peace and the rest that we can get only to Messiah Yeshua. Now he says that to him. He says, listen, I have, I have come to you, but now I have to go and fight with the prince of Persia. And we talked about the prince of Persia in our last lesson. We talked about him and we have pointed out that it is either the most second in command to Satan, but I personally believe that the prince of Persia, it's nobody else by Satan himself. And then we have demonstrated that Persia, which is modern day Iran, is the area of the hardest or the strongest concentration of Islam, of the power of darkness that is fighting the God of the universe, that is fighting Israel, that is fighting the believers in the Messiah. And Israel is always in the center point, the center column of prophecy after the Messiah. It is Israel. And through Israel and from Israel that the Messiah have come, and he is coming back to Israel and to Israel only. Now, and he says that when I am going out now to war again and to fight against with the prince of Persia, because the war in the heavenlies is not over yet. If it was, Messiah will be here and will be reigning in Jerusalem already. But the, the war constantly uh, 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 happening. And then as he goes there and he says that I am leaving the prince of of the uh, uh, area of Javan 
or Yavan in your um, uh, Bible, it mentioned Yavan, but Yavan in Hebrew is Greece, meaning that the prince of Greece is coming. And so what it is here symbolically, as he goes to fight with the prince of Persia, the one that is in control over the Islamic world, he says, but... The prince of Greece, the prince which Greece symbolizes, or Greece was the the uh, uh, bedrock uh, of Western um, uh, civilization. The Western civilization or the Western world has started in Greece, and from Greece started the Romans, and from the Greco-Roman Empire eventually came out Europe. And from the Greco-Roman Empire eventually came out the United States of America, which is the world empire of today, which is the world leader, which is an extension of the Greco-Roman Empire. I hope that I make myself clear until this point. But you have to understand that these powers of these uh, empires still continue as it was, as we saw in chapter 2 of Daniel, when we saw the statue with the uh, 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 head of gold and, and chest of, uh, of um, uh, silver and then the bronze and then, and then, of course, the iron and the iron mis- mixed with clays. These are the four empires. And this is pretty much world history. But we have to go back and understand that world history always centers around and about Israel. So as we look at that, and he then now gives us the history, or the brief history. You see, in eternity, there's no time. So there is brief history of every empire. Every empire must fall eventually, except if it is, except when it is God's kingdom, which would last, which is Messiah, would last forever and ever and ever. Even Hitler, when he came and he says that the Third Reich should last a thousand years, where did he get the idea of the thousand years? As he has saw himself as a continuation of the Greco-Roman Empire that lasted, or the Roman Empire, about a thousand years. And many said that even the U.S., you know, should last that long. However, I am very much of a skeptic, you know, to that uh, uh, situation. I see that, uh, you know, less than 250 years, we already fallen apart. But then when you look at the Greco-Roman uh, Empire, and Hitler looked back at that, and he said that the Third Reich should, should last about, you know, last the Third Reich for a thousand years. But then it didn't last but a dozen years. And then fell and crashed and crashed and burned. To the point is that there was so much of worship. Hitler himself was worshipped. Hitler was almost, and many said he can be the Antichrist. He is like the one that uh, uh, came uh, at 165 uh, 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 BCE as Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes. And he like the one, and he is, many thought that he was the Antichrist. 
At that time, prophetic uh, prophecy teachers and many have named him to be. And since him, since Hitler, many have been named the Antichrist. We don't know who it is, but he is going to appear. He may be now on world scene and we don't know, but he definitely is going to appear. And, and he is going to be on the scene and he is going to make a covenant. But no doubt that he will come out of this extension of the uh, Greco-Roman Empire that will have the power and will have the ability to somewhat coerce and force Israel to sign a peace treaty. And, And at that time it will be a peace for seven years, right? And then we'll get to that once we get to Revelation as well. We talked about it earlier when we uh, uh, um, uh, looked at um, chapter 7, chapter 9. We looked at it. However, one must remember that over any and every area of the world, there are angelic beings, whether they are angelic or on the other side, on the other way, the opposition to the angelic being, to God's forces, there's always an opposition that rules. Sometimes, you know, those the dark power and darkness is increasing and increasing as we see over the world. Now, he gives us now a brief um, history lesson, if I may, of the wars between the north of the south. Now, what happened is... Is this, as we get into chapter 11 of Daniel, we read here, Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to, to confirm and strengthen him. Who is this? The angel, the angel that ministered to Daniel and came to reveal the prophecy or, or, or the, the mystery to Daniel, he was dispatched to help and encourage Darius the Mede. Some have said that that may be Daniel himself that was an encouragement. No doubt, no doubt in my mind that Daniel was a great encouragement to the kings of uh, first to Nebuchadnezzar and, and the kings of Babylon and of course to the Medo, Medo-Persian uh, kings as well. No doubt about it, but here... The angel is speaking in first terms. So therefore, it is the angel that was an encouragement. Wow, this is amazing. Did Darius know that? I don't know. It doesn't say that Darius had any idea or any response to the fact that there was an angel that was sent to him to encourage him. Look, it is easy to get discouraged nowadays. you agree with me? When you look at things around, you say, Rabbi, things are tough. Yes, indeed, things are tough. But let me assure you that if God has sent an angel to encourage a pagan king, wouldn't he send an angel or two or three or four to encourage you, his children? You bet he will. And sometimes we don't know that they are around us, but I can assure you if he has done it back then to an pagan king, he is doing it today to you and me. 
Now he continues and says, Now I will tell you, he's talking to Daniel, the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer uh, than them all by, by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the all against the realm of Greece. Meaning there will be other kings, but the last one to the Medo-Persian Empire. Here we are. We are about to go to the third. First uh, uh, empire was Babylon. Second, Medo-Persian. And now we're going into the third, which is the empire of Greece, which were the thighs of bronze. Okay, we can change that too. Now, um, we have to uh, uh, edit that part, of course. But um, anyway, as he is amasses riches, and of course, how do you gain riches uh, in a world empire? It's by conquering other people and subjugating other people to taxation and tribute to you. So putting people under pressure eventually puts the people to the point that they cannot pay taxes anymore. I mean, how much is too much? As we see even nowadays, the debate continues to lower taxes or to raise taxes. And it has been proven that every time that we lower taxes, we actually have prosperity. And every time that they want to increase taxes, and they're working on increasing taxes, there is eventually a calamity. And this is the direction, by the way, that we're going here. So this king, the king of Persia, He's going in increasing taxes and eventually, as he was actually uh, uh, in control of the Greeks at that time, he raises up their anger. And now it says, then a mighty king, verse 3, a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. This is the prophecy about Alexander the Great. Eventually, a young man in his early 20s has risen up from Macedonia and he became the world ruler and he ruled until the age of 33. You know, when he has uh, uh, gotten to the edge of India, he stood, they said, and cried out there immensely. And he says, there's no more world to conquer. Because he was so upset because there was no more conquering to do. He conquered all the known world in a swift way. I mean, by the, by the age of 30, age of 33, he was the ruler of the known world. And amazingly, he came and you know, when you know the world or the ancient world map, you look at it when he comes to Greece and goes into, into Babylon and into the Medo-Persian Empire. And of course, always going through Israel, always going through the Holy Land. No matter whether they are defeated or they are uh, uh, conquerors, they always go through Israel. So as he goes through Israel, it was said, it says by Josephus uh, Flavius, uh, that the historian Josephus, that when he came to Jerusalem, the high priest took the book of uh, uh, the prophecy of Daniel and showed him the prophecy of Daniel and showed him, see, it was written about you that you will come and conquer the world. And he was very excited that he spared Jerusalem. Not only spared Jerusalem, he spared the temple. 
Usually when you conquer a place, you come in and you level the places of worship. And you introduce your own uh, system of worship and your own pagan gods. But Alexander spared Jerusalem and the temple and in fact favored the Jews. However, uh, they have left tremendous amount of impact on Israel. When you go to Israel, by the way... You can see remnant of the Greeks that preceded the the Romans. First came the Greeks and then the Romans. You see remnants of their uh, uh, marble statues because they have adorned and admired bodybuilding and all the physique and so on and so forth. And, and there were tremendous sculpture, sculptures that they had there. And you see some of it you see in uh, Caesarea. Uh, Caesarea was, in fact, prior to Herod building Caesarea as a gift to, uh, uh, um, uh, Augustus Caesar. He, the, the, the Greeks have had a temple there, uh, to Zeus prior to that, and you can see that as well. Uh, most tours don't distinguish between all those things because there's so much to see. However, in the city of Ashkelon, we have found it. In other cities uh, uh, of Israel, in the Tel Aviv area, they have found some remnants of uh, uh, in Gaza and so forth. And all along the coast, because there were sea-going people, you know, the Phoenicians and the Greeks, you know, from Crete and all the islands of of. Greek and, and of Greece, and they came to Israel. You can find those remnants until today. So uh, Alexander the Great was indeed the pioneer and the greatest ruler of the Greek Empire. Now, verse 4, he says, And when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided to, uh, towards the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be uprooted for others besides him. You see what's so amazing about the prophecy of Daniel. And there's a lot of prophecies in this, you know, 1820 uh, verses that I'm going to read if we have the time to go through all this because the chapter is actually almost uh, uh, more than double than that but I don't think we have the time to go through this so we'll divide it in a few uh, uh, segments but what's so amazing about Daniel is it is the book that predicted so much of world history, and one by one by one after another, that the prophecies have been fulfilled to minute details. And what the antagonist of of Bible prophecy, and especially Daniel, have said all along, it can't be, it was written after the fact. (laughs) Excuse me. Here we have a cute, sweet man. And Adonai sends him an angel. And Adonai reveals himself to him. Why? Because his heart is in the right place. Why? Because as a young teenage boy, he and three other of his friends made a decision to stay and stick with Adonai. And not to fall into pagan worship, although they have been uh, uh, tempted with the best of the king of Babylon. 
with all the foods and the wine and the and and all the uh, fruit and vegetables and all that was there to for them to for the taking they have decided no we going to stay pure and this is what i want to encourage you young men and women young men and girls boys and girls right here listen to me make a choice to stay pure and stick with the things of Adonai and don't fall into temptation. Look what says about Daniel. Wouldn't you like that the Bible tells or, or that you would be written, Oh, yes, Zachary, where are you? Oh, Zachary Ish Hamudot. Oh, wouldn't that be good? How about you, Albert? Albert Ish Hamudot. How about you, Brandon? How about all you boys and girls? Wouldn't that be something that Adonai looks at you this way? Janelle and Maria back there. How you doing, girls? This is what it's all about. Because he has not compromised. You see, it's easy to compromise. But Daniel did not compromise, so therefore he is blessed and gifted with the most amazing prophecy that has been fulfilled, and some of it is being fulfilled, and some of it yet to be fulfilled to the T. Not one iota, not one little yod or a tittle that will be omitted from his prophecies. Now, Alexander died, obviously, at the age of 33, and four of his generals, four of his generals took over his kingdom. And the most important two that the Bible actually concentrated, concentrates on is the king of the north and the king of the south. Two, his, two of his boys, which were the apparent heirs, uh, Alexander and Hercules, have been murdered. So therefore, and he said that not of his posterity, meaning progeny according to his dominion, his kids were killed. You see, even to that minute details, his kids were killed, and then four of his generals have taken uh, control of his kingdom. Two of them, the king of Syria, or the Seleucids, uh, are of importance here, and the king of Egypt, the Ptolemies, the, 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 they call it Ptolemaeus or, or Talmai, or, uh, uh, are the ones of importance here. And then he, go, he continues here in verse 5, and he says here, Also, the king of the south shall become strong as well as one of his princes, and he shall gain power over him and have dominion. His dominion shall be great, great dominion six. And at the end of some years, they shall join forces for the daughter of the king of the south shall go to the king of the north to make an agreement, but she will not remain, retain the power of the authority. And neither he nor his authority shall stand, but she shall be given up and those who brought her and with him who begat her and with him who strengthened her in those times. What happened? They have been warring, going back and forth. The Tuolumnes and the Seleucid. The north and the south. Sounds familiar, huh? Wow. Um, civil war. Pretty much. 
These are friends. They came from the same place. They have the same values. And they are fighting over control, over the riches. But think about it. Syria is the north of Jerusalem. And Egypt, Alexandria, is to the south of Israel. And every time that this guy from the north goes south to conquer, he goes to Israel. And plunders the place because you have to feed the army. You have to feed the, you know, the, the, the folks and everything. So he plundering the land. And now Israel is one time under, always under the Greek empire, but is always between these two kings. One time under the Syrians, another time under, under the Seleucids, and another time under the Tuolumnes. And then they're going back and forth and back and forth. And so, and, and, and Israel is always tossed right in the middle because this is the easiest way to go. The, you cannot go all around because it's a long way. So they take the way from Damascus to Alexandria. It goes all the way through Israel, which called the Via Maris. We have driven there. Today is the main road in Israel. It goes from north to south. Via Maris, meaning the way by the sea. Right along the Mediterranean. And it goes all the way from Damascus. And comes to Beirut. And comes down through Sidon and Sor. And then to uh, Akko, which is Acre. And then to Haifa. To Caesarea. To my hometown, Natania. And then to Tel Aviv. And all the way down Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gaza. El Arish, and then all the way to where Cairo today, and then to Alexandria. This is the way to go. So every time they do that, Israel suffers. Now, and as uh, uh, they continue to do that, finally, the king of uh, the south said, hey, you know what, maybe we should uh, have a peace treaty. And it's the old trick. Marry your daughter or your sister to the one that you're fighting with. So they sent Bernice. They sent Bernice over to Antiochus the Great, and they send her over, and she marries him. And meanwhile, the agreement was that she get that the king of the north gets rid get rid of his wife and her kids, and they will not be able to rule. And eventually, whoever comes out of Bernice, the new union will rule the empire, so they will have peace. <laughs> the problem was that uh, uh, Ptolemy died <laughs> a couple of years later, and eventually uh, he brought, uh, the, the king of the north brought his old wife back, and then they killed Bernice. Poor Bernice. So Bernice is killed. So then her brother, uh, verse uh, 7, verse 7, he says, But from the branch of her roots, one shall arise in his place, who shall come with an army, enter the fortress of the kings of the north, and deal with them and prevail. You see, when the sister was killed, her brother from the Tuolumnes of the south comes and fight. I know this is a lot of history. Bottom line, right? Bottom line. War continues. War continues and continues and continues between these two uh, people. And then what's important, let's go down to uh, uh, verse 17. Verse 17 says this. Now, Here's another one. As they prevail now and continue, they have a little bit of peace and a lot of war. And then the same thing happened. It says, 
Uh, verse 17. He shall also set his face to enter the strength of the whole kingdom and upright once with him, thus shall he do. And he shall give him the daughter of woman to destroy it, but she shall not stand with him or be for him. Now Antiochus, king of the north, said, look, you know, now maybe I should do a gesture. So he sends his daughter, very famous girl by the name of Cleopatra. So he sends Cleopatra to Alexandria with the hope that she will plot from the inside so she can, though he, Antiochus, can topple the entire kingdom and then control, uh, 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 the whole area of the, of the Greek empire. Well, that didn't work because Cleopatra was then more devoted and more loyal to her southern Alexandrian Tuolumne uh, husband to her own father. So on and on the saga goes, and eventually this Alexander uh, um, Antiochus the Great dies just as well, and then eventually, as we will study next week, another one, his son Antiochus Epiphany, comes into power in this in this area. During this time, between the fall of the Medo-Persian Empire and the fall of the Greek empires, we have gained two things. Let me tell you. As I told you that Israel is right in the middle of them, and they're going back and forth and back and forth and fighting one another, always, who suffers? The Jewish people suffers. No matter what happens, as it is right now, and we see that the Egypt right now is turning Muslim, and we see that Syria is killing her people, and we see that the Iranians now are trying to muster the nuclear power, and right in the middle of it, Israel is. And they are looking all together, and they are plot in accordance with Psalm 83, that says that, the, the, the people all around are plotting against Israel, so the name Israel will be no more. Okay, this is today. Back then, 2400 years ago, what happened is this. With all the turmoil and all that the Jews have suffered, we actually gained two amazing holidays. One of them, was Purim, right? Remember, there was a guy in Iran, in Persia, that wanted to destroy and uh, uh, eliminate all the Jewish people. You think Hitler was the first one? No, he wasn't. And you think Haman was the first one? No, he wasn't. Pharaoh, in fact, was the first one. And look what happened to him. He still did not get, you know, he forgot to get his scuba, scuba gear in the Red Sea. And Haman... Eventually what happened to him on that big gallow that he have created, he has created to, uh, to hang Mordechai, he and his ten sons were hung. Now, you know what happened to Hitler? And the next one that comes, whatever his name is, Ahmadinejad or the rest of them, you know what? I know what's going to happen. Because we have gained two holidays. One of them is Purim which we eat, you know, the hamantaschen, the Osne Haman, Haman's ears, and they taste very good. And uh, we're going to have it, you know, in the next couple of months, we're going to have this wonderful holiday. And then the second holiday is Hanukkah. 
You know, which is fantastic. Why? Because this king that we're going to read about him, and he is like the forerunner of the Antichrist, Antiochus Epiphany, we're going to read about him next week. He is the one that eventually was defeated, and we have a holiday that we celebrate. And we eat a lot of jelly donuts and a lot of latkes, and we are having a lots of fun. And here is the message for you today. No matter what they decide out there in this convention or the other convention or in this convection oven or this other convection oven, okay? Because if they are not going to listen to the God of the universe and going to submit to the Messiah, Yeshua, they're all going to be convicted and eventually going to lose and we're going to have a holiday. Have a wonderful and blessed week. Thank you. In our study, we have progressed to Daniel, Daniel 11. And as we have uh, looked at the events last week, beginning to uh, chapter 11, verse 21, and this portion of the last part of chapter 11 can be uh, divided into two portions. One is the events that happened in the past that had been fulfilled to minute details. In many ways, some over 2,000 years ago, by the prototype or the uh, forerunner of what is called in the Bible, Sorer HaMashiach, or the Antichrist, the man of perdition, the Aish HaNivzeh, the man, that this, the great deceiver that is to come. So in this portion, the first portion, as I have called it in both, it is called, I call it Mr. Big Mouth. Mr. Big Mouth is a person that has very little substance, however, has a lot of words. He likes to talk, and he impressed the audience with a lot of talk. He can get the crowd to be mesmerized, almost to the point of to be worshipped through his words. We have seen someone like that last century, a guy by the name of Adolf Hitler, how he managed to mesmerize not only the German people. Of course, the German people have supported him wholeheartedly, or at least most of them, not all of them, but most of them. But there were many others across Europe, and even in the United States. Just to name a few, one was the Prime Minister of England, if you recall, a fellow by the name of Naval Chamberlain, and he came back after signing a treaty with Hitler, and he came out, peace in our time, peace in our time. And across the pond, of course, there was the elder uh, Joseph Kennedy, the father of the Kennedy clan, he was very sympathetic to Hitler, to the point that he had to be recalled back from being ambassador to England. 
and also Henry Ford, just to name a few. What I'm about to say is that many people fall into the personality, into the uh, amazing oratory power that this people possess. I mean, many have been named since the uh, completion of the writing of the New Covenant, many have been named the Antichrist or the Anti-Messiah. I just named one of them. If you recall, also Gorbachev has been named one. So did it Bill Clinton. Some said, some saying even Obama and host of many other names. As I said before, I don't know who he is. I know that he's coming on the scene if he's not already. And he's going to be a man of many talents. The Bible tells us in verse 21, he says, He calls him Nivzeh. Nivzeh is not just vile, is somebody that the root word in Hebrew is buzz. It's the one that despises everything. He despises everybody. He is the ultimate and the consummate egomaniac that you ever seen, that ever came across on the world stage. It says this, and in his place shall arise a vile man, Nivzeh, to whom they will not give an honor or royalty, but he shall come in peacefully and seize the kingdom by intrigue. In the Hebrew, it tells us that he came not only peacefully, but he came in an appearance of tranquility, as if he is coming to be a support to some other person. But then with intrigue, which in the Hebrew word is halaklakot. Listen, it is a double on the same word, which is halak. Halak means slippery. Halak means smooth, slippery, a place that you are, say, as smooth as glass. That's the word. But it's not only slippery and smooth, it is double and actually halaklak. And here it says halaklakot, meaning in plural. So take a slittery, slippery person that is incredibly smooth and double it times three. This is how this person is going to be. Halaklak. When you say the when you use this word about someone in Hebrew, when somebody say, Hey, did you meet Avner? Yeah? Halaklak. That's all you have to say. Halaklak. Meaning be careful of him because he is a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Just somebody tells me the word about somebody else that he is halaklak and here is my reaction to it 
in my internal uh, 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 compilation and how would I refer to this person. He is smooth. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is someone to be very afraid of, very careful of, and to be very extremely watchful of because he is so smooth, you will not even realize when you are getting smacked. He is so smooth. And this is what this person is going to be. And it tells us that there used to be somebody like this. His name was Antiochus Epiphanus. Antiochus Epiphanus or Antiochus Epiphanes came on the scene in 175 BCE. And he was the king of the north, as the Bible tells us. And as we talked about the wars between the king of the north, which is the Seleucid Syrians, and then the king of the south, which is the Ptolemies of Ptolemies that set in Alexandria, Egypt. And there were always the rivalry between them and wars in between those two kingdoms that are as as a result of Alexander the Great's disintegration of his kingdom or his empire into fourth, which is the Greek empire, into four pieces. Now this person, it is the last one of the... Uh, Greek empires, and he's the one that eventually took control. He took control over the south because there were others to the to the west and to the east as well. However, the most dominant person or the, the most dominant power of these four portions of the empire was the king of the north, which sat in Damascus, Syria. And the last one of this line was Antiochus Epiphany. What was he so great about? Well, he was a great warrior. However, not only that, he came and devastated Israel. During this time, there were already many, as the Bible tells us, there were already many of them in verse uh, uh, 30, there were many of them that have given up on the covenant. It is called Brit Kodesh. Many have given up on the holy covenant. Many in Israel during that time became what we call Mityavnim or Hellenized Jews. People that have succumbed to the power of the uh, ruling authority and adopted their customs. I mean, I'm not talking about going to this synagogue or the other. I'm talking about uh, adopting the pagan customs of the Greeks. Now, the Greeks were pagans to the core. They have the people that worshipped many gods they have people that believed in their own mythological gods, a mixture of animal and man, beast and man, and they worshipped above all their emperors, you know, as gods themselves, and they worshipped the body of a man and a woman. The, you know, the whole body building, the whole idea 
of the uh, awesome power of men and women uh, uh, came from Greek, from the Greek Empire, and the whole idea of Olympia or, or, or Olympic Games came from that uh, era. Now, in America, we have adopted both. I'm shifting forward a little bit, and then I go back a little bit to un- so you understand where we are today. America has adopted both of the latter two empires, of the world empires. America today is a combination of both the Greco-Roman Empire, empires. And you can see, you go to every downtown USA and you can see the Greco-Roman columns uh, on the houses of justice. And especially if you go to Washington, D.C., you would see the whole architecture that is built after and has been fashioned after the Greco-Roman empires. I will stop here because when we finish the book of Daniel, we will go to, we will uh, continue with the book of Ezekiel and I'm going to speak about the United States and prophecy. So, uh, uh, having said that, this king, this emperor, uh, Antiochus uh, Epiphany came to Jerusalem. He was very upset at the Jews. He was very upset at the Jews, and it says here um, in uh, uh, verse 31. Let's uh, just forward to verse 31, and you will see, and it says here, and it says that some of his seeds... Psalm of Hesedes, chapter uh, verse 31, says here, And forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress, and take, and they shall take away the daily sacrifice and place their abomination of desolation. What's important to us here is two things that are being, uh, uh, happening. One is that the land is conquered and the temple is defiled. The temple has been defiled by Antiochus Epiphany when he came to Jerusalem after defeating uh, Egypt, the kingdom of the south, for I don't know how many, fifth or sixth times. They have many had many wars back and forth. And every time he will bite another piece of the kingdom of the south, eventually to defeat them completely and bring all the loot. However... In the process, a word came that he actually was killed in the battle in Ale- uh, uh, just outside Alexandria, and the people in Jerusalem were rejoicing. So and they called the feast. And when he heard about it, he got very upset. And on his way back to Syria, he said, "I'm going to punish those Jews that thought that I am, an, uh, you know, I am being finished." And I'm dead now, and I'm going to punish them. So he came to Jerusalem, and then he took a pig. He slew the pig on the altar, and took the blood of the pig, and and sprinkled it all around the altar and some of the uh, um, uh, holy elements, and boiled the pig in the temple, and then took the broth, the, the, the soup of the what's left of the pig and took it around and sprinkled it all over the temple so defiling the temple completely. You have to understand that also he set up his image 
in the temple so people will bow down and worship him. And then he forbade the Jewish people from keeping on Shabbat, from keeping the holidays, and circumcising the children or teaching Torah. All those restrictions came up. And then the many Jews that actually succumbed to that, and they were just fine and dandy with what is called the Hellenization of the Holy Land. However, there were some that were opposed to that. Led by a priest by Matityahu, the high priest, and the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, from the family of the Hashmonaim, of the Maccabim, led by his son Judah, the Maccabee, and then eventually they defeated uh, um, Antiochus, Epiphany, they have defeated him at the Battle of Ayalon in 165 BC, I want to say. BC, 165 BC, and this is where we have established the festival of Hanukkah. And so for eight days, the festival of Hanukkah is celebrated because there was not enough uh, oil to put on to the candelabra, which is the menorah in the temple. And according to legend, according to our tradition, that there was just a little bit of oil that was supposed to last for one day. However, miraculously, it lasted for eight days altogether because it takes seven days to prepare a new oil for the menorah. So therefore, we celebrate the festival of Hanukkah. Now, verse 35, it, now we shift into the new Guy, and it says here, verse 35, and from, and it says some of those, of those understanding that have understanding shall fall. Some of those that have understanding will fall to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is till, still for the appointed time. What happened is, what happened? There were people like Matityahu, like the Maccabees, that did not agree, that opposed the Maccabees, uh, opposed uh, Antiochus, and then many of them fell. Now let's shift forward into Mr. Big Mouth that is about to come on the scene. He is going to come on the scene, on the world scene, promising everybody a chicken in every pot. He's going to uh, uh, promise peace and prosperity and a world equality. We're going to take from the rich, we're going to give to the poor, and we're going to make it equal. Everybody, the, the rich making more, they will make more, they will pay more taxes. You are poor, you're making less, you will pay less taxes or no taxes, and we'll make everybody are uh, uh, happy here in an equal society and people are going to fall for it. People are going to go for it. And then as we're going to see, as it says in, uh, um, uh, Yeshua said in Matthew 24 and also in Revelation, there was going to be many wars as we see that wars are starting and we see flames all over the place right now arising. I mean, I'm talking from Asia to Europe, to Africa, and to the Far East. Uh, as far as Australia now, there is uh, 
tremendous uh, upheaval, and it's all quote unquote quote uh, unquote against the United States. But this is not only this; it is against God. You see, Islam is rising up. Islam is rising up and it's rising up against the power which Islam calls the crusaders. Islam calls the United States the, like the sword bearing power of the crusaders, which is the power of Christianity. And this is how Islam sees that. And Islam sees America as the great Satan. And Israel is the little Satan. But all that we see that is happening around the world right now is for one reason. I mean, I'm sure that you have seen the uh, events that are unfolding this week with the assassination of uh, four Americans, including the uh, U.S. ambassador and uh, burning of America and Israel's flag and, and, and torching embassies and consulates and so on and so forth. All this is for one reason. is to distract the attention from the real thing. And the real thing is Israel. Listen to me. The real thing is Jerusalem. Although the Democrats, you know, which, you know, I said before, it's not about politics. It's about God and His chosen people. And when you choose to eliminate God from your platform to eliminate his chosen place on earth which is Jerusalem from the center of the platform God is going to say okay you want to eliminate me and now I'm going to remove my covering over from you it's not just easy and God bless America America or the leadership of America have decided to rebuff the Prime Minister of Israel, has decided to expose Israel to the scheming, vile uh, uh, um, uh, plots of the mullahs in Iran and to expose Israel without giving Israel any definite, definitive answer. You see, and all these other things that is happening is actually shifting the focus from what is the real issue. And the issue is Israel. The issue is Jerusalem. And Netanyahu is coming tomorrow to the, uh, 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 to New York, to Washington, and the leader of the free world, the leader of the United States is refusing to meet with him only because he has other things to do. Listen, it's not about politics. It's about blessing and cursing. It's about discernment. It's either you're with me or you're against me. God said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. It's simple as that. I don't care how many times they choose to include or, or, or preclude God from the central uh, agenda of any given committee or any given uh, uh, platform.
It doesn't make any anything and it doesn't matter to God because God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And He is in control. And He is not going to abandon His people Israel. And He is not going to abandon the people that have sworn allegiance to Him. The people that say, Adonai, you are my God. Yeshua, you are my Messiah. And He will protect us. These days are coming when even the elect, and he said even those, and he keeps repeating this, you know, later on in the chapter, and said even those that are full of knowledge, many from them will, will stumble and fall. Many will give their lives because this man of big mouth, as many will fall uh, 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 under his spell, and he's pretty much going to uh, uh, cast a spell of supernatural power over the people. People are going to be mesmerized. They're going to worship him like he's the Messiah, like he's the king of the world. And some already have said that I am not about to name names or point finger to who the person is. He eventually will come. What I want to tell you and I want to encourage you is do not fall for false Teaching, do not fall for false prophets, but stay glued to the Word of God. And stay glued to what you believe. Stay glued to what brought you here in the, face, in the first place, is the love of Adonai and the love of Yeshua the Messiah. What this man is going to do in verse... Uh, 37, it says here that he will, he shall regard neither the God of his fathers, not the desire of woman, nor regard any God, for he shall exalt himself above all. But in their place he shall honor the God of fortresses, and the, and the God which his father did not know, he shall honor the God of gold, with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. He would love the pleasures of the world. You will see him traveling, whether it's going to be Air Force One or Europe One or whatever one they're going to call it. You're going to see him traveling in a lavish uh, 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 manner with tremendous entourage of people, with all the pomp and circumstance as it says with all the trumpets and people dressed up and horses and so on and so forth and you will see that all these things are happening however behind the scenes we have right now some evil powers that are working to first of all reduce the United States of America to a size or, or, or to a third world country, or at least something before pre-World War II. Meaning that America would lose two things, her military might and her economic power. And the way to do that is to enslave every single man and woman and a child into debt. And the more debt they amount on us, the more heavy load that we have to carry and we don't have the time to raise our heads above water. And this is exactly what is happening. And because of that, the two things, one is, oh, let's save the economy so they will gain more control. He will gain more control on the world banking. It's not going to be just one 
a, a person, it is a person that will sit over a committee that does all what he wants. And eventually, they will gain in the, in the work, in the guise of national security, they will gain control on every person moves on the face of the earth. We have the GPS, we have, I mean, look, they can track me right now. They know exactly where I am. I have a cell phone and it's on and this is my number. It's written to my name and they know exactly what they are, where I am. And they, that's how they know where you are and everybody else. But this is just a small thing. Pretty soon they're going to put this special chip which is a smaller than a half a grain of rice. I mean, it's just so minute and it's going to have all the capability like we do to dogs right now and they have been doing it to people as well. But listen, my dear friends, it's going to come in the name of national security. Not only national security, it's going to come in the name of personal security. Lest you have your identity stolen. Listen, nobody's going to steal my identity because my identity is secured in Yeshua, the Messiah. I have an identity. I have identified myself with the God of Israel. And He's the one that's going to protect me. And I'm not going to take anything that they're going to bring down the pike to say that it will help me do my banking or pay my bills or protect my kids or my dogs. I don't care. I'm going to die for it if I have to. So I'm here to encourage you, my dear friends, as you're seeing things happening all around the world. Oh, what happened? Just a silly little movie that caused them all to erupt like this. No, it's just a silly excuse. It's not a movie. It can be one thing or another. But it is a huge volcano that is controlled by the prince of Persia. And I told you who he is. This is Satan himself. And the prince of Persia is controlling everything from behind and he is moving through the sensitivity of the nice people of Islam. You know, they are really nice, peace-loving, you know, family-oriented uh, 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 people that want to raise the kids and send them to college and be doctors and lawyers and, 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 and bring some... Uh, 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 more advancement to the world and make uh, uh, 165 uh, different Nobel Prize winners. You know how many of Islam are Nobel Prize winners? Seven. You know how many Jewish people? 165. The Jewish people are 15 million people in the world versus 1.5 billion Muslims. Now what would they do with the rest of the brain? I just want to know. If they're not there just asking, you know, and plotting how to kill the infidels. And how to conquer the world for Islam. People don't understand what they're up against. Or at least they're being told that you don't understand. Well listen, I grew up in that neighborhood and I know how they act. People say, well, the Antichrist is going to be from Islam. He's going to be from Israel. He's going to be from Christianity. All I know is this. This person, Mr. Big Mouth, is going to come 
is that he's going to convince, and most importantly, not only the rest of the world, but he's going to convince the Jewish people that he is the real McCoy. And that's the big plot. Is not only to isolate Israel, to put a wedge between Israel and America, because as long as America, this is at least what they think, as long as America is holding Israel in, you know, under their wings, Israel will be fine. As long, as soon as we let America drop Israel, then we can go get them. And we can eliminate the world's problem once and for all. Listen, my dear friends, you have not considered God. Well, of course, you have considered Him because you took Him out of the platform. But listen, He's still there. He's not on your platform. God is on His platform. <laughs> and His platform is called the, the throne of the Almighty God. And He sits on His throne and He does as He wills. And not only that, he will bring every minute little detail in all the prophetic words of Daniel. This is so amazing that some of them have been fulfilled to the T and some of them will yet to be fulfilled all the way as it's written. Why? Because God's integrity and God's reputation is on the line. It's not about us. It's about Him. Because He is going to prove to the, all the heavenly hosts, I have spoken my word, and I'm going to keep my word. And my word, I have sworn by my name, because there was no other power in the universe to swear by. So He swore by His name that He is going to have His Son, His Messiah, sits on this throne of the King David forever and ever in Jerusalem. And that is going to happen soon, my dear friends. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, my dear friends. Things are shaping up. As far as I'm concerned, I'm kind of excited. I'm very excited, in fact. Why? Because there has not been any other generation prior to us that I can watch prophetic world event happening right in front of me in as I'm sitting on my reclining chair in my, uh, in my uh, living room. What is going to lead and what is going to be, I'm not going to stock all kinds of, you know... Thousands of gallons of waters and beans and stuff. This is scare tactics. Lo lefached. That's the word. I'm going to teach you this song here in the next few weeks called Lo lefached. Means fear not. Have no fear because Mashiach is here. May Adonai bless you and give you a wonderful week. Thank you.